Hello and welcome to Brothers from Other Mothers. I'm Jake. And I'm Kane. And today we're going to be talking about a series of well, different topics that are going on at the moment and how we personally feel about them. So Kane, should we start with your first topic? I'm going to start with my first topic. Okay, my first topic is chivalry and how not just women, but men as well, confuse people's perception on chivalry. So my thoughts are, women one second do want chivalrous men and want the door held open for them and, you know, want the chair pulled out for them, which I'm all for. Like, I think it's a romantic gesture. It's just a kind gesture. Um, but I do feel like now sometimes people get a bit offended by it. If you offer someone a seat or if you're on public transport or something and you offer someone a seat, there's almost like a... You know, I'm capable to do it myself. It happened to me the other day. I opened a door for someone and she turned around and said, I'm more than capable of opening a door by myself. So I sort of thought, okay, stuff you then. Similar thing happened to me the other day. Um, I held a door for someone. Um, and they, they just walked straight through the door. They didn't say thank you or anything. So I did that. Mm. You know, that thing that we all do where we go, oh, well, thank you. Thanks, then. And, and then. And they turned around and went, well, I didn't need you to hold the door for me. I was like, okay, oh, okay. well. Go back through it and open it yourself. Go, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Chivalry is dead, madam. <laughs> yeah. It's true. But I think it's just, it's more of respecting. It's not even about gender or sex or whatever. I would like it if a guy held open a door for me, if a woman held open a door for me. I think it's just general respect for anyone involved. You know, if I saw someone less able than me, well, I'd give up my seat for nearly everyone, I think. Um, I wouldn't. Would you not? No. Who wouldn't you give your seat up for? Well, I'm just an ignorant person, so I wouldn't just <laughs> give up my seat. Would you give... Would uh, well, okay, okay would, yeah, a pregnant, pregnant woman, mm -hmm. um, an older person... A woman who's just had a baby? Yeah, okay, but not not for use this like for anyone. No. Like, if no. a child if a child comes on and a child wants to sit down, I'll be like, I'm sorry, mate, I'm twenty three. <laughs> I've earned you're, my seat. I've earned my seat. You've got your legs have got bounce in them, mine most certainly do not. <laughs> I wanna sit down. Got arthritis, I need to sit down. Um see I don't know, I'd probably if I saw a mum or a father sitting down and their child was next wanted to sit next to them and I wasn't a seat and I was the seat next to them. I probably would give it up, but I mean, I think it's just common decency, woman or not woman, to give up your seat for less able people. I think that's what it comes down to, less able people, whether it's an older guy or an older girl. But just... I'll tell you what, I was on, um, I think I was on London Underground the other day, I think I was on the uh, district line, so... Um, all the seats are opposite each other mm. and then all the tube carriages are open yeah. and I was sat down it was quite full and some guy got on with his family and his wife and his uh, son sat down next to me but the father didn't have a place to sit so I did actually um, just have, I just said do you want to sit down and let him sit down so I guess I guess yeah I would I guess I would give up my seat yeah. but it depends on the situation like if mm. If it, like I said, if it's just a child, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you you have young you legs. have young legs. I do not. What age are we talking about though? Because some kids have only just learned to walk. Like from before three or four, they've only just started um, walking. They've only got little legs. Uh, 
Yeah, but come on, that's a good test of balance, standing up on a bus, isn't it? Oh yeah, like... whack them on a tube, see if they fall over. <laughs> test of character. Um, I'd say six and up. Yeah, I think I definitely, I definitely wouldn't give my seat up for a teenager. No, like, there's no need. You can stand, you need <laughs> it. But no, door opening, 100%. You should just hold... That's just how I was raised. That's, I know yeah, that's how you that's were just, raised. Just open the door for people, hold the door. Unless it's an automatic door in which you stand there and look like a pillock. Yeah, there's no need to open an automatic <laughs> door. Um, other than that, no, I... Yeah, I, th- no, I think chivalry's still... I think it's still there, I just don't think it's appreciated as much as it should be. And yeah, there is the argument where people say, oh, I didn't need to do that, but then they complain that chivalry is dead. Well, this is it. In all honesty, I feel like people are afraid to be chivalrous because any time we are, it not that's not true, not any time we are, but some of the time we are, it gets thrown back in our faces. Mm. This is women and men, it's not just men, but there is a big judgment for someone that is being chivalrous and giving up a seat or holding a seat out for someone. I do it to my mum, like it's not just a romantic thing, like if she goes sit down, I'll pull the chair up for her, I do it for my little sister, like it just, our little sister, it just... Oh, so, so for me, for me, if, if someone holds a door for me, or if someone does an act of kindness, like helps me carry mm-hmm. something, that to me is almost like them giving me, giving me money, I'm like, thank you so much. Yeah. Like, I really do appreciate it. But um, do you think that's because we don't see much of it today, that we're like, whoa. Like, back in the day, people used to do it all the time, and it was like nothing. Back in the day of 17. <laughs> no, no, I'm on about, like, before I was yeah, born, it yeah. was like a thing that just went on constantly, and now, certainly since I've been alive, not that long ago, because I'm young. But well, it's because we live in the age of ignorance, isn't it? So mm-hmm. if someone holds a door open for you, the, the chances are that the, the door you're holding open is for someone that's on their phone. and That's it, and they don't look up. They don't look up, they don't say thank you, they just get on with it. Um, I genuinely feel like I just missed, by a couple of years, the generation that can't hold a conversation. Yeah. So is it is it chivalry's dead, or is it um, the appreciation of chivalry being dead? Because hmm. arguably it could be that. I think it's the appreciation as well, because anyone that has an issue with chivalry or, you know, I'm capable to do that myself, we're not saying people aren't capable enough to do do it, it's just a kind gesture. Mm. It also makes me think as well, those people that have an issue with you being chivalrous, they obviously don't have as much respect for other people because it's not their, their mindset to open that door for someone else mm. if they've got such an issue with it. But yeah, I think that's... It's kind of infuriate me a little bit. I feel like we need to start talking about it. Okay, um, What's our second topic? I, uh, it's your topic. What, what was it I had? Yeah, so one thing that bothers me and it bothers quite a lot of people in the musical theatre industry. Now, uh, me and Kane both come from a musical theatre background because yeah. so we're in training and we've loved it for the majority of our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that's been cropping up lately is uh, reality TV stars getting main parts mostly in musical theatre or, or pantomimes yeah. or even TV shows um, that aren't reality TV and m- more to the side of musical theatre it's quite it's quite frustrating because you have people um, that spend you know from a minimum of three years to ten years to fifteen years of their life training to perform. Uh, to, to go up on a West End stage or a Broadway stage or to travel on a UK tour of a musical. Mm. And those people really deserve deserve the main parts or deserve to be in those shows. But then um, 
the producers think it's a good idea to cast a reality TV star and it frustrates me because they're not famous for anything really they're they're famous just for being a person that's been on a on a show yeah um that that doesn't show any any nuance of talent mm mm-hmm. And then there's these people that have been... It's essentially their life work that they've been working towards don't get the job because they think that a, 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 not even a celebrity, but a reality mm. star is going to pull in, pull in the numbers. Yeah. It's a bit like you wouldn't, you, wouldn't, um, you wouldn't let some random guy perform surgery on someone, would you? No, uh, no yeah. you want someone that's been spending their life training in mm. that profession to do it for you. You don't want some guy off the street just because they're known performing an operation on you and that's that's quite insulting it's a it's a touchy subject at the moment because then you've got um who's who's that girl that's just been cast in nine to five amber davies from love island now amber davies she's on love island now this isn't me saying that amber davies hasn't been cast correctly this is where it sort of wears the line because she has uh, trained, Davies doesn't has she? Trained. She, was, yeah. she went to Erdang, did she not? Mm-hmm. Erdang, yeah. So she trained Erdang, and she w- what she obviously wanted, she wanted to be a West End star, and she wanted to be known in the West End industry, because that's what she trained in, and obviously Erdang's a top academy. Um, so she she wasn't getting anywhere, and then she applied for Love Island, she got on it, and she, she became a reality TV star through that, and... She's now going into nine to five as one of the lead characters, and I can't argue with that because uh, even though it seems slightly uh, contradictive to what I've to what my point is, she has trained. Yeah. So she hasn't just come from you know it's not it's not Bill the you know the builder from down the road that. who who's just gone on a reality TV show yeah. and now he's being cast to play Jean Valjean in Les Mis. It's, yeah. it's not like that. It's someone that's actually had prior training who's then gone on a reality TV show and has found their way to be cast. And she, she she found the way to get to where she wants to be. And I think that is where the difference is. If someone has the talent, like um, an example I always use is Megan McKenna, who has been on nearly every single reality TV show, mm-hmm. but has a voice to die for. So the way I look at it is, if you need to do that to get to where you are, then in my eyes, as if you have the talent and if you have trained... Or, you know, you're qualified for the role. Then, I mean, good on you. It's a freaking hard industry to get into. Mm -hmm. And you've just got to do what you've got to do. But my issue is when unqualified people do it. And it is just, oh, you know, matey from Love Island's going on this. And they do it for publicity. It's sort of pantos. The amount of pantos I've seen where it's like, oh, so-and-so from, um, you know, Love Island Survivor or whatever is is on this show, so they get all the teenagers in and everything, and he can't sing, he can't act, he can't dance, so I'm like, well, what's the point? But then that also, is that killing musical theatre? Because the crowds that you're now drawing in aren't necessarily fans of musical theatre, but they're actually people um, that that are just going to see that reality TV star. Like, yeah. let's say we was to cast Gemma Collins in a musical... <laughs> Are people going to be going to see that musical because it's a musical they want to go see, or are they going to be going to see it because it's Gemma Collins no, it's in a musical it's... and they're going to have a chance to meet her at stage door? Yes, because it's her, isn't it? That's what. And then another thing um, that's really annoying about casting um, reality TV stars is that they feel they now have the need to bump up the price of tickets. Yeah. Uh, which makes it even 
I mean, it's expensive to th- uh, to see theatre as it is at the mm. moment. But yeah. then casting celebrities, you have to up the prices of the tickets to be able to afford paying the celebrities um, extortionate. And that paycheck. almost se- that's almost like a kick in the teeth for the actors that do train and uh-huh. do go on there because it's almost like, well, hold on so-and-so off that reality TV show is going to bring in more than you who've trained for four yeah. or five years of your life to be here. So we'll bump up the ticket prices for her doing it, but, you know, no one really knows who you are sort of thing. And that's that's not... You know, when those people train, that's fair enough. But for that person, that's got to be a kick in the teeth, isn't it? And don't get me wrong, I know that, obviously, musical theatre, it is a business, mm-hmm. and businesses are about making money and uh lately cameron mcintosh has has been doing quite a lot to um to help grow the musical theater industry in terms of new actors and bringing old shows um back to the stage we're Mm. doing quite a lot of revivals recently they did half a sixpence with charlie stemp and 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 quite quite a lot of people were found from that but that didn't start on um didn't start on West End. It was actually brought over, but 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 that's helping sort of the age of musical theatre to be revived again. Yeah. But another thing, so we've got obviously, like we say, the the, the non celebrities being cast in productions, which makes it unfair for people that have trained and that probably deserve the part more because they've trained and they're more qualified to do it. Yeah. But also, you've got musical theatre tours. Um, that go around the UK, obviously, I'm pretty sure everyone knows what that is, but if you don't, so most shows that you have in town, which is the West End, uh, they usually have uh, a tour going around the UK for people that you know are up in Edinburgh or Manchester that can't actually get down to London to see it. So, so it tours around the country and gives other people a chance to go see it, obviously making more profits on top of the show in town as well. You've got Matilda is on tour at the moment, and uh, Matilda is also in town. You've got Les Mis is about to embark on a UK tour, and it's also um, in town. Now with Les Mis, I uh, I was I was thinking because they uh, cast Killian um, Donnelly um, as Jean Valjean. Right. He's he's a brilliant he's a brilliant performer. Um, I saw him in Kinky Boots. Uh, he played Charlie Price, and I saw him in Memphis. Uh, where he was playing Huey Calhoun, and he did, he did a phenomenal job in in both parts. And he's he's got yeah. a really good voice, and I, I believe he's played Jean Valjean before, and and it got me thinking as well. Should should tours should musical theatre tours mm. that go around the UK be used as a way of finding new talent? So cast cast the people that are West End known or that are musical theatre known, like um, Killian Donnelly, Amy Lennox, those sort of mm-hmm. people, in the shows at home, uh, in, in town, because you know they're going to put bums on seats. But should tours be used as a chance to help find new talent? So the raw talent that's now coming out of drama school, because obviously every year new talent leaves drama school, and quite quite a lot of people spend three or four years of their life unemployed, yeah. in quite a bit of debt, finding that they're not getting work, and going to quite an emotionally disturbing place. Should tours be used as a way of finding new talent and giving them the chance to perform? Because if you're touring the, U- the UK, you're more likely to be seen by different casting directors, other people, um... And okay, it might not put as many bums as bums on seats as um as, as a well known musical theatre name, but 
it gives people chance to try their in, try their industry out and and you know dip their toes in the water and actually get a proper try and that's why I think tours should be used as a way of finding new talent in the yeah. industry. Well, I mean, I agree. I feel like that would be a good concept and it would open up the industry to all those people that do go through years of being unemployed and this industry is hard like it's brutal but if you want to do it if you're in this industry it's because you want to do it at the end of the day if if you don't then you're wasting your time because it's not just a money-making thing that you're going to run straight into a job but I think the reason why that wouldn't happen is because it's almost that mentality of if it's not broken why fix it sort of thing so if they've got the actors and the performers and you know it is putting bums on seats. It is, at the end of the day, a business. So why would they then... I think they should, but if it's not... You know, if someone hasn't dropped out or if they haven't got the cast sorted, then they probably would. But the fact that there is a cast that aren't, you know, aren't going to have to audition again and, you know, they know they can do the job, why would they then go and audition other people? It's, it's almost like doing a favour for other actors and I don't feel like... You the industry say, gives us any favours. I, I, I mean, uh, you say is it if it's not broken, don't fix it. But mm. um, if you take a look at some shows that have been on West End at the moment, some of them have gone completely under the radar, and it seems to be uh, new concept shows. Uh, yeah. For example, there was From Here to Eternity, w w which mm. was a brilliant show, brilliant music. It was it was based on the original film and the original book. And, and it was a phenomenal show, but it went completely under the radar because it didn't have uh, any sort of well-known celebrities in it. Yeah. Um, and then you had uh, Wind in the Willows. That, I love it. That, yeah, it's a very good musical. That, that sort of didn't do a long run in West End. And it sort of mm. seems to be... Um, shows at the moment that only seem to really survive are ones that are based off a popular film franchise or very popular book. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that was one that was on uh, back in 2013. Now, that's that's an exception. It was based on a film, it was based on a book. Uh, personally, I thought it was really good, uh, but it didn't It didn't do great. It, it ran for, I think, four years, three, four years, and then Charlie it closed. Did. Yeah, Charlie and the Chocolate mm. Factory. Uh, Matilda's been running for quite some time, but it's... Yeah. Uh, all these new concept musicals that are coming out, so ones that try to have uh, an original concept, don't they? They don't really seem to last long at all. They don't really hit the ground running. I mean, uh, Bat Out of Hell. People would argue that that's not really an original concept when it when it kind of is because the original Bat Out of Hell album uh, was uh, written as a um, as a musical, and the reason it wasn't put on at the time was because it, it wasn't financially they weren't financially able to I put on the full, it, yeah. music, the full musical um but that is now it now got picked up again and it's been in the west end and it's it runs with all the original songs and uh, the, the storyline is questionable it's it's not the best storyline ever but mm. the vocals uh the, the dancing the talent and and the, and the spectacle itself is, is fabulous but that doesn't seem to be selling very uh, seem to be selling very many seats yeah. at the moment. But then I think if it's like an out there concept or something that no one's ever heard of, I do feel like unless you're like a musical theatre goer or you're training or whatever, you're not gonna go to something you don't know about. It's like Matilda, you know, everyone knows the story of Matilda. It's a film, it's a book, like 
our parents grew up reading Matilda. Like there's loads of there's there's loads of fans out there already that know what they're going to see. And I don't feel like a lot of people, unless they're musical theatre goers, want to go to the theatre not knowing completely what they're going to see. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that would that is the reason personally what I think for the downfall in new concept musicals because there just isn't enough knowledge about it and, and people don't want to take the risk to go and see and pay this money travelling to London, you know, to go and see a, mo uh, a movie, a musical that they're not sure they're going to enjoy. And another another thing, is it is it uh, musical the theatre uh, fans that are keeping musical theatre alive or is it tourism that's keeping musical theatre alive? Um I've got I've got a friend who recently worked um, front of house in Lion King the musical, and he said just the general respect that the public had for the actual theatre and the show itself was just appalling. Really? Um, not not turning not turning off their phones, uh, thinking God, it was okay to record, so rocking up to the theatre ten minutes late. Um, I could honestly talk about theatre etiquette for like yeah, hours. So theatre <laughs> etiquette. So what has happened to theatre etiquette? Is it is it the people that are actually going to see musical theatre? Are they more tourists or actually musical theatre fans? And is it the reason that musical theatre fans aren't going to watch uh, musical theatre shows is because the ridiculous extortionate price yeah, of musical theatre the tourists? Well, I'm sure you'll <laughs> agree. It definitely wasn't the musical theatre goers with their phones on and the ones that no, was disrespecting no. the theatre. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe it is. The see, tourist sort of. I went to see um, uh, w with an old friend of mine. I I went to see The Exorcist. It was it was a play. It was it was phenomenal. But mm. uh, before the show started, um, there was a dramatic build in music. I think this was the second time I went to see it. Actually, I, I think I'd seen it before. Uh, so I knew from the first time I went to see it that there's a dramatic building music and it gets really, really loud and then the lights go out and they fizzle out um, yeah. and it was followed by like a demonic scream. Now, when I went to see it the second time with my friend, we were waiting for the show to start. So the five minute bell had gone yeah. and then I looked at my watch and it was now, I think it was half eight, the show was due to start, but it hadn't started yet. And then five minutes later, people were still coming in to find their seats. Yeah. The show still hadn't started. I think it didn't start till till quarter to nine when the show actually started. And I made, all at the bar, probably. Yeah, and, and, and I made I made a comment. I, I said, um, it's, it's ridiculous if people just turned up 15 minutes early to get... Well, not even that. I think you should, I think if you're going to see a show in, in the theatre in London, you should show up at least 30 minutes earlier prior to the show to start. Because it's not like the cinema. It's not... It's not you roll up at 7.30 when it says the show starts and then, and then it actually starts trailers, 20 yeah. minutes. It starts bang on that time, but people yeah. don't seem to understand that concept and they just rock up at that time and then they they come in either halfway through the first act. Um, I mean, it used to be a fact that if you didn't show up on time, they, they would be it's like, oh no, you can only go in and see the second half. But now yeah. they actually have allotted points. Now, I, I, I get that people are late because traffic and stuff like that, but quite a lot of it comes down to disrespect and yeah. and, and um, no regards to musical theatre etiquette or, See, or theatre etiquette like itself. I'm just conscious we've probably covered about four different topics there about yeah. theatre etiquette and everything yeah. else. Did you have another topic or do you want me to go on to my one? Because I've brought another one today. No, you can go on to your next topic. Okay, so I saw a headline not too long ago about West Side Story, so obviously it grabbed my interest mm -hmm. because we've done West Side Story ourselves in school and stuff, obviously musical theatre. Um, and 
what it was is Sierra Borges. Burgess, not quite sure how to pronounce her name. Who? Sierra Borges. No idea. <laughs> no. But um, she basically, in commemoration for Stephen Sondheim, she agreed to um, sort of do like this concert with a mixture of different songs and stuff like that from it. What she didn't know was it was actually like a recreation of West Side Story. Mm -hmm. So then everybody kicked off because basically she was cast as Maria, who is the main Latino girl mm -hmm. and everybody kicked off and said sort of like it's so disrespectful when there's Latino uh, women actors that would have absolutely loved to do that role blah 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 you know there's plenty of white women roles in there um, in the industry for you and she actually um, pulled out of the show and apologised because she was obviously under the impression that it was a concert but my question to you is would it have been an issue for you watching her play a different, um, you know, a different ethnicity? Honestly, no, it wouldn't. And I think, I think there's a very, I think it gets very um, clouded over. I think it gets the judgment gets very cloudy. Pardon yeah. me when it when it comes to this, because it sort of seems like. It's one rule for some and one rule for another. Yeah, now, um, it's not me saying that it's right. Uh, I mean, personally, I don't care. An actor's job is to go up onto a stage or to go onto a film and to play a character. Yeah. And there have been many, many questionable castings in previous years, whether it's movie, TV, musical theatre. And a lot of it comes down to, well, this person's... Um, why and this character isn't white, so why are they playing this character? Yeah, and I I get that. I get I get that. There's the fact that white people have a lot of parts to play in musical theatre and on stage and in TV and film. As to black people, to be fair, yeah, a, a yeah. lot of musicals nowadays well, and movies. Exactly, you've got musicals like um, uh, uh, Hamilton, which. Obviously, it's, it's based on the Founding Fathers, and yeah. if we're going to be historically accurate, the Founding Fathers were white, okay? But the majority of them in, in Hamilton uh, are um, of different um, ethnicities. And the reason that was done was because uh, Lin-Manuel... Is it Lin-Manuel Miranda? Yeah. I can't pronounce his name. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Thank you. Um, he, he chose to, to write the musical... Um, and to have different ethnicities playing it because he said he was always playing the um, you know the sort of the Mexican Latino character mm -hmm. yeah uh, and that was the only casting he was ever going to get and he wanted to break those he wanted to break those cliches which is fair enough which it, it, it is fair enough um, but then it but then it comes down to okay so that's that's okay that's fine so then why is it so wrong if this girl now plays uh, this this character in in West Side Story. What's yeah. what's wrong with that? Surely, if if the character, if the actor can play the part and they can play it part well, play the part well, what's the problem with it? Well, that's it. If if she is a qualified actress, I personally wouldn't have an issue with it. Now, I'm I'm split down the middle here because I can see it from both sides. You know, this group of people, this ethnicity that has been suppressed for a long, long time. Now, you know, it almost seems like, oh, wow, so there's a role written for us and we can't even play it, you know. Mm. I do understand that side of it. But then it comes down to, 
like you were saying, actors and actresses are paid to play a different character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, does it come to a point where only gay people can play gay characters? Yeah, only can transgender only people play transgender people. Well, exactly. People. Stra straight actors can only play straight characters. And that just defies there was, all There was another concept. thing. Um, Jack Whitehall. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you saw this. I think this is about a month ago now. So they... they Re Disney revealed that they're going to be doing their uh, first yeah. uh, gay um, homosexual prince, hom homosexual prince. Yeah. and uh, Jack Whitehall was um, I think he's been cast to voice one of the princes and there was a big um, backlash well Jack mm -hmm. Whitehall isn't gay so why is he playing the part of a homosexual prince? Again there's prince? plenty of gay uh, actors out there was what they were saying you know a gay you know gay actors should have the chance to do this there's so many straight roles and everything but, and but where does the that's the, that's the thing where does the line get drawn because yeah. it, 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 it it's just so it's just so clouded and it seems so one-sided um i had a debate the other day because there was a whole um thing about the woman that was cast in fantastic beasts the crimes of grindelwald who is playing yeah, yeah. nagini and she uh, I, I believe that so so that Nagini's backstory, she's based on sort of Indonesian folklore of of people that can turn into different animals. Now this is this is not the best of my knowledge, um, but it's a Korean woman playing playing the part, and everybody is saying, well, why is she playing the part when it's not even based on sort of Korean mythology? Um, they also had and, an issue with and is, with with the fact that the the snake was actually um, a pet of Voldemort. Well, it was more like a slave, wasn't it? And, 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 there was, and rather than it being a pet, it became words like, "Oh yeah, she's a slave of Voldemort, Voldemort yeah. and she's suppressed by Voldemort." And Voldemort is um, based on you know on 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 Hitler. So and and then people, I think they take it too far because. I I just couldn't help but sit there going, this is this is a woman that can turn into a snake. Okay, can we just can we just stop bring right it back there to reality, and bring it second. back to reality, and go, what the hell are you? What's going through your mind? to you think that that's such an issue that a Korean woman is playing the part of a of a woman who turns into a snake? In a wizarding world. Now, if if this was, uh, if it was a documentary, uh, you know, reenacting something in history, that was really specific like, yeah, to really, the world. And it needs yeah. to be really specific to the world. I'd be like, you know, what? yeah, I see your point. Yeah. But this is completely make believe. And I made a tweet. Uh, someone made a tweet about it, um, and it, it went along the lines of, I don't see what I'm getting sick of seeing white Harry Potter fans. Having something to say when Asian people's want Asian people want to question um, what actors and actresses are playing the parts to represent Asian people. Yeah. Um, and I just went back with I didn't, I didn't say any words or anything, but I got a picture of the uh, film cover from White Chicks, um, which is one of the Wayne Brothers films, where two two black cops uh, white up. As, yeah. it, as it would be, as which it would be considered be, quite racist. Yeah, which, which, if it's the other way around, would be considered quite racist. And then they spend the whole, the whole film, you know, portraying white women. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a problem with that because personally, 
I bloody love the film. I yeah. think it's hilarious. It is funny. I think it's I think it's a gem in comedy and it's it goes down as a cult classic to me. And but I don't remember when it came out people going no. Oh, that's so racist. And I'll tell you that's what it is. It's, it's because people are too sensitive these days. They've and got I think an it, issue with yeah, everything. And I think it comes down to the age of social media. Because obviously when that film did come out, social media wasn't such what a big thing. What are you going to do? Write a letter? Yeah, you know? you're not gonna, if, you, if you are going to complain, yeah, you have to write a letter to, 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 the, complaints, to, the, yeah. to the company. Um, but now anybody can spread their opinion online. And that opinion can blow up in a matter of seconds by retweets or likes. And then the next thing you know, it's being picked up by the Sun or the Daily Mirror, and they have that just something. Makes it so much worse. And, and it? they have something to say about it. And quite a lot of the time, they they thicken it up. They yeah, yeah. They, they say, oh, mass issues going on with fans of the the latest Fantastic Beasts films, like crying out at J.K. Rowling for for her casting choices. Whereas when the film, when older films came out, it, it, that didn't happen. It wasn't that issue. And. and Personally, like I said, I I found uh, white chicks hilarious. I, d- I didn't have a problem with the fact that it was two black people playing white women no. and being incredibly stereotypical to white girls. Yeah, to white girls because I th- I just thought it was funny. It was really funny. And do you know what it is? I genuinely feel like some people wait to be offended. They wait for this film release. They wait for the musical announcement, and. They, these keyboard warriors go out in force on the social medias and you know this is unacceptable this offends me so much people have lost their sense of humor mm. now excluding all of like the serious issues and the actual mm-hmm. racial discriminations you know some black actors haven't had any work and they've been told straight to their faces mm-hmm. because they're black mm-hmm. excluding all of that our nation has just lost its sense of humor and we, it, I genuinely feel like some people want to be offended. Mm. Like, if something's not offending them, they'll find something to complain about. To the point now where, like, I'll see a film release and a little flicker of a thought will go through my head of, like, I bet someone's going to have an issue with that. Scroll down to the comments. There's 70 different comments all addressing that one issue. It's just... I feel like we just need to grow back by a bit. I and just... just I, and, and for me, there is... um. What I what comedy really works for me is a comedy where people don't give a shit. There's a YouTuber called Brandon Rogers, and he, if most people watched him, they would be like, he's incredibly racist, he's incredibly homophobic, um, and he's just all round wrong. I mean, in in his videos, he's he, you know he drops babies, he dresses up as he dresses up as different cultures, different ethnicities, mm. and he takes the proper piss. But it's funny. Because okay? he's bending those barriers you, uh, and he's trying you know, to go to the extreme. But, but you also know he's not doing it because it's from a place of hate, because he hates gay people. In fact, I believe Brandon Rogers himself is gay. I could be wrong, but um, it, 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 it's not coming from a place of hatred. It's just coming from a place of, this is funny, this is a stereotype, and it's something we can laugh at. You know, everybody is a little bit racist in that sense that we find different cultures and different things funny because it's not the way our own cultures run but it doesn't make you racist just because you you find that funny like yeah. laughing at the idea of uh, some joke that someone's put on youtube that doesn't make you a racist person just because you find that well, funny if you look at all the comedians these days they are funny because they're outrageous no one wants to see a pc joke do they like mm-hmm. You know, if they didn't have those explicit languages and, you know, that bending the barriers, going 
going over the line a bit, a little bit, no one's going to want to watch that and laugh. You know, we live in a world where everything is monitored. We live in a world where people are outraged constantly. So I feel like we need that release and that sense of humour. You know, I think I've got a good sense of humour. I don't feel like I get offended too much by people. It, there's, there's a massive difference between someone being funny and a comedian, you know, being outrageous. And then there's a difference between actual intent to harm. Like mm. if someone's saying something derogative or discriminative to actually cause upset and pain and stuff, that's an entirely different thing. If you know that person, like like you said, you know, you think he might be gay or whatever, it, it that shows that they're making fun of themselves, you know, acting on the stereotypes. And I feel like without that, what, what are we doing? Yeah, like, if you can't we've laugh lost our sense what of, can you laugh at? Well, exactly. We've lost our sense of humour. I think. But yeah, that's just how I feel. Well, I feel that's a good place to wrap this week's episode. Yep. I feel like it's come to an actual end. So, as Vicky would say. As she would say, it's come to an end. So we've come to a natural end. So it's been lovely speaking. I hope you people have stayed tuned and listened the way through. If you have, thank you very much. I've been Jake. And I've been Kane. And we've been brothers from other mothers. Thank you very much.